Hey guys, it is Friday, December 22nd, 2017, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide EV Edition. Uh, not the Pokemon, but the electric vehicles that we are all soon going to love and drive all across this great, well, half of the world in which I live in. Anyway, uh, so electric vehicles, uh, you're talking about your uh, Chevrolet Bolts, your Tesla Model 3s, your Nissan Leafs, your Mitsubishi IMFs? Uh, no, I don't know. There's a lot of cool EVs made and sold all over the world. There's more and more options really here in the United States. So if you live in a state like California or Oregon, you're going to see uh, a lot more options than what I have here in Michigan. So uh, with that in mind, we're going to be looking mostly at vehicles that are sold all across the country. Um, we're going to be considering vehicles that are sold right now. Um, we're going to be looking at vehicles that are generally under $50,000. So no Porsche, you know, Mission E concepts, no uh, crazy Tesla Roadsters. No, nothing like that. Something that's actually going to be practical and usable to drive. As always, I'm going to be ranking these one to three, or excuse me, three to one, I guess, when I uh, tell you about these things. And we're going to be focusing in on the three things that I care about most with these vehicles. Design, engineering, execution, um, you know, things that are built well, have interesting things done to them to work well, um, maybe take a different approach to how they're accomplishing those goals. Two, uh, how they're going to feel behind the wheel, what kind of, you know, fun they're going to be, are they going to be rewarding to drive, um, or if they're not necessarily leaning towards that category, how well do they accomplish the goal in which, <laughs> excuse me, the brand uh, is trying to represent. And then lastly, uh, you're looking at uh, the overall technology that's in there. So whether that's uh, something in the dashboard, um, something that's been developed specifically for the car, uh, maybe autonomous driving or something like that. Uh, that'll also be a part of the consideration. So after the bump, uh, we'll discuss not car number three. Um, I don't think it's a huge surprise. I don't really think any of the top three cars are a big surprise in here. It's going to be the fourth choice that's going to be controversial um, because we're just not quite there yet with this car. So with all that in mind, guys, follow up after the bump and we'll talk about car number three. So first up, the number three vehicle in the segment, and I'm kind of placing it at number three because there's still a lot of questions as to whether or not uh, this is going to be the best option long term. This is a first effort, after all, for Hyundai in this market, and I'm, of course, talking about the Hyundai Ioniq EV. Now, Hyundai is doing their best to tackle so many different aspects of the market uh, between themselves, their Genesis luxury brand, the Kia brand. Uh, they've got a lot of work cut out for them, and the Ionic is their attempt to have a three-pronged assault on uh, both the Prius, uh, the Bolt, and, well, a litany of other electric vehicles or electrified vehicles or electric-assisted vehicles uh, sold here in the United States. So for about $30,000, you can get <coughs> excuse me, with a base uh, Ionic EV, um, you're going to get a lot of standard features. You're going to get the 7-inch touchscreen. You're going to get the Android Auto, the Apple CarPlay. You're going to get, uh, you know, some DC fast charging capabilities. Uh, range is 124 miles, which is acceptable, I would say, for most people. Um, I think what that really comes down to is, one, that you have <clears throat> easy access to charging and two, if you are charging, that you do have DC fast options made available to you. 
Um, you know, some parts of the country that might be a little bit easier, like in California, Oregon, Washington, <coughs> excuse me, here in Michigan, uh, it's a little bit more difficult uh, due to, well, the EV market really not taking off quite yet. So 124 miles, $30,000, lots of standard equipment. It's not a bad way to go. They also offer a specialty thing with the Ionic where with $2,500 down and for $275 a month for three years, you get a lease on Ionic EV that has unlimited mileage, or unlimited mileage, you get reimbursed for charging, uh, you know, that's basically a subscription service to the car. They take care of a lot of basic maintenance, like it's it's all done for you. And I have to admit that overall that seems like a fairly good idea. Um, if you want to make EVs available to a much wider audience, I think Hyundai is doing the best possible option by trying to entice millennials by, you know, giving them a set cost that includes a lot of things. The question is, at that price, are you getting the best option out of that bunch? And, you know, living here in Michigan where you do have to travel a little bit further, I think I would maybe hedge my bets and go a little bit more towards the plug-in Ionic and less the straight-up EV, but this seems like a pretty good choice. So why third place? Well, like I said, it's got pretty good range. You know, it's not uh it's not a compliance car. So you're not you're not going to get something like the Fit EV or the Spark EV or uh the Fiat 500 EV that are basically electric motors and chargers jammed into a car that wasn't designed to take that in the first place. Um this car was actually built to be what it is. It's a pretty good size. It's about the size of an Elantra. Um, so you're going to have seating that's comfortable for four. You're going to be able to have a trunk that can actually fit things in the back. Um, the car's pretty lightweight. Personally, I really like the design of this car. I think it's very clean and straightforward. It doesn't look too much like an electric car, but like when you see it, you know that there's some kind of electric vocation put into it. Hyundai's really been knocking it out of the park for me. <coughs> excuse me, on design uh, the past couple of years. And that goes for the inside and the outside of the vehicle. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is just one of those cars that kind of slides in under the radar for a lot of people. Um, I'm hoping that more folks start to consider this as an option, whether it is the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, or the electric version of the car. <coughs> I think it's a pretty smart decision. And especially at $30,000 for the base trim model, you know, if you don't need the blind spot detection and the, um, you know, radar cruise control and all that kind of stuff. Don't bother going up to the higher trim models. The base one would be more than enough for most people. And I think that's a pretty good deal. So the number two car in this segment shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. It's a long-standing competitor in this segment. It's one of the cars that really started this segment off in the first place. And that is, of course, the Nissan LEAF. Now, we're going to put the first-generation LEAF behind us and really focus on the second-generation one, the 2018 LEAF, which will be coming out very soon. Uh, the 2018 LEAF does start at a very low price of $30,000. Before your federal, uh, local, and whatever other tax incentives you get, um, the fun part about the LEAF is because they've been making this car for so long and the technology has become so much more affordable, they can sell these things for next to nothing. So if you live in a state like California, Oregon, Washington, 
really some of the southern states as well, uh, you can partner your $7,500 federal tax credit with a state tax credit of, you know, two, $3,000. And then some places even have local tax credits for EV vehicles where you can get these things for pennies on the dollar. Uh, Nissan likes to tout that some of these cars can be available for $20,000 or less. And considering that you don't have to pay for gasoline, and maintenance costs tend to be a lot more affordable compared to gasoline uh, compact vehicles. These are cheap cars. And, you know, if you can stick within that 150, 160 mile an hour or mile range, uh, these cars make a lot of sense. So one thing they don't tell you about the base $30,000 S model is that it does not include DC fast charging. That's a $2,000 option. Uh, it also doesn't include anything like ProPilot Assist. It doesn't have that available. It doesn't have Android Auto, Apple CarPlay. So to get the things that I would assume that most people would want, you're going to need to bump up to the SV model, which does include the DC fast charging, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Uh, it doesn't have ProPilot Assist. That's a $2,200 option, uh, which I think could be worth it for most people if you want to... <clears throat> show some tricks if you do a lot of commuting you know in the city things like that i think it makes sense um especially on you know areas of busier highways it, it does seem like it would be a good way to do things uh for those of you home that haven't been paying attention to what ProPilot assist is it's something that nissan's adding to a lot of their vehicles actually starting for 2018 uh, as an option where it pairs the radar cruise control the lane watch system uh, the electric steering all that uh, to do a semi-autonomous driving assistant. So uh, the car will be able to accelerate and decelerate on its own, uh, keeping up with traffic. It'll keep you in a lane as long as, as, long as it can see the lines on the road. Um, and, you know, you just got to kind of just lightly touch the wheel. They say that it helps prevent fatigue and other things like that. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's a cool thing. And I'm glad that it's here. Um, for those of us in the Midwest that do have to commute long distances, it makes a lot of sense. But of course, it's kind of silly when you think about it where the EVs, especially like the uh, Nissan Leaf, only has a 150-mile range. That's not too far. So, yeah. Um, but it is DC fast. You can get 88 miles of range in 30 minutes on a single charge. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, it's, it's the first step towards Nissan making a more modern, competent vehicle. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in it. I think it's just, it's a smart choice. I don't want to say smarter choice compared to the Ionic because the Ionic uh, has a lot to prove. The Nissan has a lot to basically say as well. It's kind of the middle choice very clearly in what you're going to see with what I pick as the top car. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's just, a it's a good car. You really can't go wrong with it. It's fairly priced. Um, the only thing that I would be hesitant about is the federal tax credits on the Leaf EV, I think, are going to be ending fairly soon. So if you are interested in it, I would say buy one sooner than later, or at least lease it. That's probably the better idea. Um, but like used in like a year or two, these cars are going to be awesome. Uh, you know, Leafs traditionally haven't held their value very well, and that goes for all EVs, not just the Leaf. Uh, so you can get used Leafs around here in Michigan with like 20,000 miles on them for eight grand, which is crazy how cheap that is. Uh, so this car, two, three years, used 20,000 miles on it for eight, 10 grand. Perfect. Especially if it's got that cruise control option on it. So yeah, Nissan Leaf, second position, not a bad way to go, but we do have a number one vehicle coming up.
So the number one choice here is a little bit of a compromised vehicle um, in a couple different ways, but I still think it's kind of clearly the best option in the market right now. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, why didn't you pick the Tesla Model 3? Well, I did pick the Tesla Model 3, but it's not the number one car. The number one car is the Chevrolet Bolt. And right now I think it's just more of a thing that checks the big boxes for what most people would need or want or have to do with their car. Now, I do applaud Nissan for making a car that's so easy to use, that's so, quote-unquote, normal. Uh, the Bolt kind of takes that and runs a couple steps further ahead. And it definitely shows in the price of the vehicle. The Bolt does start at $37,495, which, with your federal tax credit, makes it just under $30,000, which is kind of the sweet spot where everybody's trying to get to. Um, if you can build an EV for $30,000 uh, that can go over 200 miles of electric range, they figure more people are going to start buying these, adopting these, uh, especially in larger cities where, you know, a little bit more luxurious compacts or maybe a little bit more stripped down mid-sized cars are kind of the norm. So this car is going to kind of be a thing where it depends more on the function that you need. Um, it is a kind of compact sized car. It kind of sits in between the subcompact and compact size, um, but it's a good size. It can fit comfortably four people, five people in a pinch if you need to. There's plenty of spoos in, or space in the boot. Uh, it works pretty well. Um, 238 miles of electric range can get you and your friends from, well, where I live here in West Michigan to easily to Detroit, get some dinner, and be able to find a charge point, or from here to Chicago in the same kind of situation, uh, which the Leaf would not be able to do, nor could the Ionic. Um, that's a pretty big selling point for a lot of people is that you can go three or four hours on a single charge before you have to stop and, you know, at least spend that half hour or more charging the car back up with a DC fast charger. Um, the car does include a charge point subscription membership. I don't know, really know what you want to call it, but it gives you access to charge point, uh, places all over the country that can charge your car. Uh, at least here in West Michigan, the, most of the charge point, uh, systems are free, which is a pretty big bonus, but they're not always DC fast charging points. So your mileage, at least in this situation, will vary a little bit. Uh, the Bolt does have a lot of technology in it, but there's also a lot of technology that kind of isn't there. Um, this is, of course, a, another revision of the Volt Tech technology that debuted in the first generation Volt uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was applied to the uh, Chevrolet Spark EV, the first full EV vehicle that GM had done in quite a long time. Uh, that is a compliance car sold out on the West Coast. It's not always available all over the country, <coughs> but the Spark EV is known for being a very reliable, very dependable, more than capable small car. The Bolt, of course, makes it a, a much more normal size. Um, it's, it just works. That's just the good thing about it. Just like the Leaf, it just works. Where the hiccups start coming is that the car was designed a few years ago, and it didn't really anticipate a lot of the changes that the market had. So where the Nissan Leaf does have some semi-autonomous tech in it, the Bolt does not yet have that capability and might not for quite a while until they have the next big revision on the car. So if you're looking for something where with your commute you want to kind of zone out a little bit, uh, your Bolt's not going to do that. Um, so it's it's kind of a question of where is your priority at? Do you want the newest, latest, best 
uh, fashionable item like the Tesla Model 3 that's going to have some compromises? Or do you want something that's new and updated and has other technology added to it uh, to make it a compelling choice but doesn't have that range? it's kind of here or there. You, you know, you're looking at steps between all of these EVs, and it's you know it's a three, four thousand dollar step between each one, and your solution's gonna vary on your kind of thing. But I think the Bolt is kind of the clear choice for the best EV purchase right now for most people, especially people who commute. Um, you know, that 238 miles of range is hard to ignore. So easy choice, the Bolt number one. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Tesla Model 3 as the alternate choice after the bump. So as I mentioned in the Chevrolet Bolt segment, uh, the outside choice here is the Tesla Model 3. Now, I will be completely honest and say that if given the choice, I would choose the Tesla Model 3 over almost all EVs in the sub $50,000 segment. Uh, But there's a lot of issues with the Model 3 that kind of make it not so good of a recommendation. Um, The Tesla Model 3 is kind of sort of out right now, but not really maybe check back in 2018. Um, They have delivered a couple of cars. Uh, These cars have been really hotly anticipated. A lot of people put down deposits on one. It hit the mark that Tesla wanted to do where it's close to $30,000 and has a over 200 mile range. Of course, Tesla is baking in the federal tax incentives, the local tax incentives, things like that on these cars to make them hit that mark. Uh, the car is, you know, without a doubt, the best looking EV on the market right now. Uh, it's definitely the most attractive both inside and out, but the inside does leave some questions on the design stuff. It is a very Spartan interior. Um, you know, you've got the steering wheel, you've got your gear selector, you've got your digital dashboard as all Teslas have. Uh, but the layout is so basic that it's hard to tell where things are at and how things work. And there really hasn't been a lot of testing photographs, you know, testimonials on how things work. And it's been kind of a mystery. And that's kind of the thing that I'm not so sure on what the Model 3 is of right now is how much of a mystery the car is. Um, Tesla did hit their sales mark, but to get the highest amount of range for the segment, you got to spend almost an extra 10 grand on the car uh, to get above 300 miles of range. Um, As it stands, the base trim model does get beat by the Bolt. Uh, The Bolt has 230 miles of range. The baseline Tesla Model 3 only has 220. Yes, both are around the same price. One is a little bit more luxurious than the other one. One is going to be a lot more fun to drive. Uh, One is definitely better looking, and those are the Model 3. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not... It's it's kind of a ghostly apparition. It's kind of vaporware at this point. Um, historically speaking, Tesla hasn't had the strongest reputation when it comes to quality, reliability, refinement. Um, you know, there's they are an upstart car company, and there are plenty of reasons to give them an excuse uh, for this stuff. And I fully give them the excuse to have these kinds of problems, but when you're spending $40,000 and you want to be happy with the purchase that you make, 
right now, the Model 3 is not the car to do that. You know, they've only built a couple. And the couple that have come out have been mm, there, you know, kind of thing. Um, but it's not going to be, like I said with the Bolt, a full-fledged automobile company putting all of the bells and whistles in the car, all the things that they've learned from all of their other models into one EV. This is kind of thing that's changing as it goes. So, you know, the car is going to have, uh, you know, it's 220 miles of range. It's going to have supercharger capability, but you don't have the free supercharger network made available to you like you do with the Model S, which is a little bit disappointing. So no free charging on the car. You're going to have uh, a situation where the car does include some semi-autonomous gear, but you have to pay a lot extra to get that stuff activated. Um, there have been situations in the past where Tesla will sell you a car uh, where, you know, it's got a decently sized battery in it, but they lock away portions of the battery uh, through lines of code that limit performance and limit uh, overall uh distance mileage that it can travel um, so there might be a situation further down the road where tesla goes oh wait if you give us an extra three thousand dollars you can have this many more miles of range and that's kind of weird too i mean it's cool like from a tech standard from somebody who's interested in that kind of stuff i love the way that tesla does stuff where they can figure out different ways to change the car that you bought make it a more up-to-date current vehicle with over-the-air updates with you know a small fee to you but <clears throat> when you're paying $40,000 for one of these luxury cars, uh, you're going to get a car that might not all be there, and that just doesn't make a lot of financial sense. So for right now, hold off on the Model 3, give it a year. I think it's going to become the clear number one choice, uh, but right now it's the Bolt. This is your outside one. Take a look at it. See if you like it. Put your money down if you're interested, but I just I can't fully, fully recommend it quite yet. So that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide EV Edition. Um, you know, keep in mind, as I always say at the ends of these episodes, to uh, take some of my recommendations with a grain of salt. I am basing these on three main categories that I think are most important. That is uh, design and engineering, uh, driving dynamics, and technology. Um, EVs are a little bit different on the driving dynamics front for the most part. Uh, but these three cars, I would say, you know, as much as I did place them in three separate categories, I think are three separate finishing points. I think you're gonna kinda see that I I kinda made a little bit of a thing where any of those three could kinda slot into different things. And that's the thing with EVs that I think is a little bit different than gasoline cars where your day-to-day -day life is really gonna determine what works best for you. And what works best for you is going to be very different than your neighbor, your friend, somebody who lives on a different part of the state or a different part of the country. And, uh, you know, I think the Bolt checks those boxes for more people than the Ionic or the Leaf, but, you know, your results may vary. Um, there are a lot of other EVs out on the market, at least here in North America, um, that could be worth a look but the struggle that you're gonna have is that they're not sold in every state. Uh, something like the Honda Fit EV or the Chevrolet Spark EV, um, mostly sold out on the West Coast, not sold out uh, everywhere on the East Coast, but in the central states, uh, you're never gonna see them unless they're used and brought in uh, for some kind of thing. Um, there's other cars that try to straddle between the compliance and the full uh, EV market. Something like the Ford Focus Electric comes to mind. Um, don't even bother. Uh, it's The range isn't there. 
the technology hasn't been updated enough. Ford said that they're going to completely re-engineer the car. It was just too expensive at the wrong time, not really worth it. Um, so avoid those. But I will say this, used EVs are the sweet spot for a lot of people. Um, you know, I made a note in the leaf thing that you can get used leaves around here, leaves, leaves, um, around here in Michigan, 20,000 miles, 30,000 miles, if even that, uh, for seven to $10,000, really well taken care of. Um, you know, if you don't drive more than 100 miles a day, uh, if you can make it on a, you know, 75 mile charge or so, I think that's a really smart idea, especially if you have access to a charger either at home or near your job or whatever. Um, it's free money. You know, insurance on these cars can sometimes be a little bit more expensive than a gasoline counterpart, but, uh, you know, it's going to kind of depend on where you're at. Uh, but man, like used, these cars are a great deal. And the three that I chose, given two or three years uh, on the market being used, I think are going to be absolute steals for less than 15 grand. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, but with all that in mind, guys, uh, I'm Brad Eslake. You can find me on Twitter at YSSMAN. Uh, you can follow me on Anchor.fm where I record these at Anchor.fm. I believe it's slash Iceman, YSSMAN. Um, if you are listening on Anchor FM, you are going to get some musical additions to this that uh, you don't get on the regular podcast version. Uh, this is available wherever podcasts are sold, so iTunes, uh, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, all that stuff. I also do another podcast called the Stand... Well, it's the Standard, I guess you should say, but that's not part of the title. The Salvage Title Podcast, where we talk about car news, car culture, and car whatever. Um, the most recent episode, we talked a little bit about the branding issue of uh, EVs and other alternative fuel fuel vehicles at Honda. Um, so if you're interested at all in the weird way that branding works with this kind of stuff, check that episode out. Uh, but with all that in mind, guys, this is very likely the last uh, Car Buyer's Guide for 2017. We'll move into some of the 2018 choices. Um, it's been great. It's been lovely. It's the uh, end of the year. Time to reflect on the uh, car stuff. We'll be covering some of the news as we move into the 2018 model year, fully into the 2018 model year, uh, with the North American International Auto Show in the second and third weeks of January. So we'll have some updates from there. Uh, but with all that in mind, guys, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy new year. And we'll see you very, very soon.